Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. You we, said hello instead of good morning. I should have said aloha. We're still oh, in Hawaii. Wow. We're, we have such a hard life here. We really um, we are so grateful to be here, though. We have this sweet family that just lives around the corner from us. And we our get a- middle child, our fifth of nine, lives within a rock's throw. Do you think you could throw a rock from here to from this maybe house? not quite? But um, we call him our anchor. He has amazing, some amazing children, and it's always so fun to be with he and his wife, who's also incredible. Um Living a totally different lifestyle. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. That ties into our theme for the day, our title for the day. Okay, but before we... Get... I want to lead into it gradually, though. Okay, so let's just talk about them for just a minute. Uh, no, 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 yeah, that'll, well, okay, but that'll come up and we're, we're going to get into the subject, but go ahead. Well, the, th- the theme for this week is chickens, um, because <laughs> we have the most adorable... 13-year-old, Justine, 13, who's going through her second batch of chickens. She uh, orders them online, and these little chicks come in these, all the little chicks come in these boxes. We used to do that on the farm in Idaho. We had little chick boxes that arrived. This is our little granddaughter we're talking about. Anyway, there she is with all of her chicks, but they're not just ordinary little yellow chicks. They are designer chicks. Designer chicks. And every one of them, she knows exactly uh, about every one of them. They're beautiful. Some are black and white. Does she name are, all of them? I don't know about that. I think Maybe she some used of them. But anyway, she had 35 last week, but she decided that she had to sell half of them because she couldn't handle that many eggs. They're now big enough to start producing eggs. So one a day, one per chicken per day. Any day or or every other day. Anyway, so her parents have built her a beautiful, a beautiful chicken coop. Designer a Designer chicken. with arches going over the top. And she goes in there every every morning, takes care of them. She is the cutest little button. And she's going to bring us fresh eggs every day. We're going to, our cholesterol intake is going to skyrocket. <laughs> At a price, I might say. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're we, we helping premium, for business. Premium price for premium eggs. Yeah. Anyway. Eggs are the fun. best deal in the food world. I mean, you can get a nice egg. Think of all the, uh, it's, it's, it used to be called nature's most perfect food before people discovered what wasn't healthy about eggs, right? Yes, yes, but then they've come back around pretty much. So anyway, since we're talking about business today, I just thought that was a good introduction. That's a nice introduction. She is a little businesswoman. She has made a lot of money. Uh, The last time around, we have to say she did this for a whole year, selling eggs every day, and she deposited $900 into her Roth IRA, which we will get to. Her Roth account, which we like to match with our grandkids. So, boy, are we all over the map today. No, this is what we're talking about. Well, it is. Yes, it is. But I (laughs) wanted to lead into it by... Asking you a weird question. One of the fun things for me on Iris on the Road is I always try to think of a few questions to ask Linda that she doesn't know about. And I get a very candid response since we're on the air. If I asked you some of these things privately, you'd probably just ignore me, you know, but you can't now. So, Linda, as we've traveled around, I'll make it dramatic, as we've traveled around the globe 
You've been working on this, by the way. How many times have we circled the globe in our speaking to parents business? Five, about, there is about six. five or six, yeah. But but we as we have as we've traveled around the globe and visited more than fifty countries, speaking to parents about their children. What are the things that you think families don't talk nearly enough about in, within their families that they should talk more about? Well, I know what our subject <laughs> is today, so I know what you're fishing for. But um, I do think there are a lot of things, I mean, about their well-being, about uh, how to talk to your child about sex, about uh, all kinds of uh, things that they need to know that we just assume that they know about what they eat. There's so many things. Well, I think that there's patterns, though, despite all the different cultures and all the different modes of operation and all the different modus operandi. It just seems to me that parents talk way too much or, you know, they talk endlessly about safety. I mean, th these are the things that are always on their mind, the safety of their kids the, the social media their kids are watching, the screen time. There's certain things they're just obsessed about and should be because they're important things. But I think the two things they don't talk near enough, generally, is a, I'm generalizing, I realize there's exceptions to this. Parents and families don't talk enough within themselves about two things, sex and money. <laughs> So okay. I think we'll get a lot of listenership today because I think we're going to entitle the show Sex and Money. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> we shall see. But we're not really going to talk about the sex because that is the subject of several of our podcasts in the past. And as many of you know, probably our second best-selling book of all time is How to Talk to Your Child About Sex. And that's a subject that has been that there's a lot of good resources on that and we have a lot to say on it but let's focus on the other one today linda money what do you think is the biggest problem with and again uh, maybe maybe rivaling that second place in sales book is a book called the entitlement trap where our whole goal is to try to talk about how parents can be more open and more effective and more impactful in raising kids who understand money a little bit and understand the entitlement that can come with money and also understand the 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 principles that ought to govern how they handle money which spill over into almost everything else we we like to try to think of money as the raw material with which you can teach children responsibility and stewardship and a lot of other lessons. And in a way, it's the perfect raw material because it's measurable, it's earnable, it's savable, it's multipliable, it's all these things. And yet so many parents throughout the world um, make one of two mistakes. They either give their kids too much money in a way that causes entitlement, or they try to be so... Well, let's just let's focus on that first one. The other one's the other extreme. We, but we don't run into many parents who are maybe our own son, maybe the one we're going to talk about today, who make children become entirely independent, whether they're ready or not. 
very right. early in life. Right? right, exactly. So what do you think? What's the first thing? You've got these parents out there listening to Iris on the road. They have children of all different ages. What do you want them to understand about money and how it ought to be taught and handled within families? Well, I think a lot of kids just think about money because they want stuff. You know, they want this or they want the other. And um, they, <clears throat> they're they just thinking a lot about how can I get a, a new gadget or a new game or a computer or whatever it is that's on their minds. Or for the girls, it's clothes. How can I, how can I get the clothes I really want her? As they get older, how can I do the makeup I want? How can I get that money? I mean, it really is a raw material that you can do about anything with, and there's a lot of ways to think about it. And I think the word entitlement, which is usually a villain in our discussions, because entitlement sort of causes you to, causes a child to feel like the world owes them a living and like it sort of robs them of gratitude and motivation and so on. But there is, but entitlement is a real thing. I mean, what are our kids, what are our children entitled to from us in the monetary financial vein of things? And I think most parents would say, well, they're, you know, they're entitled to a decent life. They're entitled to food and shelter and education and they're entitled to certain things because there are children. And so many parents go through such incredible effort to have a financial plan so that they can afford to send their children to college, so they can afford to buy them their first car, so they can afford to do this and afford to do that for their children. And it's all done out of love. It's all done out of wanting to be a parent that gives a child every advantage and every good thing. But in the process, we sometimes lose sight of the fact that children can gain some independence fairly early, and they can begin to learn how to handle money fairly early, and they can actually support themselves partially, pay part of their own college, pay a lot of things that doesn't even cross the mind of a lot of the parents we speak to. And that can be a problem. Yeah, it can be a huge problem. Uh, we, Our girls so often have said, because we've started them on a financial program when they were little, of doing a little bit of saving for their college. So they have it in their mind that that's what they're going to do. And, and, and it, the world has changed so much now. A lot of people think college is not necessary. But for us, it was so... Uh, it really is in, in, uh, interesting how much they can change. You can change their mindset if you start them thinking about it early, saving money for it. Uh, everybody has their own system for doing that. But so many of our girls, when they went to college and paid a part of what they'd been earning, just a part, um, for their college education, are amazed that their roommates had no idea how much college cost. They just had no concept of that at all. And so I think it is important for just for that reason, if nothing else, to have them more aware of financial issues. How, how would you, if if you had a magic wand and you're a parent and you, you how, how would you like your children, even when they're small, but can carry, carrying on as they grow, how would you like them to think about money? How would you like them to, to view money? What should be their paradigm for money? Um, because you just said that most kids view it as 
something their parents are supposed to give them and that they can get what they want with. I mean, it's the it's the magic passageway that lets them get their Xbox or buy their what whatever they want and so on. And it, the source of it is their parents. And I wonder, um, you know, we have one, we have one, uh, we, we, I do these grandfather secrets, which are things for my grandkids of little principles that I want them to remember. And by the way, it's going to become a book. We're excited about that because we have permission from our kids who are the ones that have the secrets to reveal some of these secrets. And the kid, grandkids are going to help us write the book, but that's another subject for another time. But one of these grandfather's secrets is about money. And the way it starts out is like this. Money is a tool to be used, not a status to be gained. Too much or too little enslaves, while the enough range liberates. And then it goes on to talk about saving and some other things of money. But I think that's the starting point is we, we, we hope our children, whether they're two years old or whether they're 20 years old, think of money as a tool to be used, something that they're going to need to pursue the things that really matter in their lives, but something they should not become obsessed with and something they should wish for independence with. You know, it's interesting as we've as we have done these seminars around the world, um, they like the stuff about, you know, just the everyday things and raising kids and so on. But the thing that has fascinated the most was how to deal with money with their children because it is so crucial. I mean, the families that we are talking to are wealthy. And it is a concern to them that their kids are entitled. But I just think that's really interesting that that was the thing that they hung on to more than any other thing that we talked well, about. Well, we probably had more requests to come back and speak a second time to these various groups around the world. Tell us more about the money system you have. Tell us more about how to keep kids from feeling entitled. Tell us more about how to help kids become independent and so on. And I think that's... What we want to get into in the second half of the show are some very specific things that may be helpful to you or that may just trigger in your own minds some things that you want to focus on a little more. And we're not just talking to parents. We're talking to extended families, too, to grandparents, because it turns out often grandparents are a big part of the problem they are. when it comes to spoiling kids or entitling them or making them think money grows on trees or whatever. And so we want to talk about that larger issue. So hang on. We have some fun stuff to talk about. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking about money. Well, talking about means, talking about the, <laughs> the material means to make side it, of life. Right. The means to make it something really important instead of something that's really problematic. Let me play word association with you listeners and with Linda. I'm going to say a word and Linda's going to tell you what comes to her mind first. And it's just kind of a random way to get into some things. Okay, Linda, are you ready? Okay. Match. Flame. 
<laughs> you see yourself striking one. Right. Remember, we're talking about money and finance. I remember, but you just asked me to tell what first thing that came to my mind. Um, equal. Okay, match. Equal. Okay, match applied money to children. Match. What is it to us? Is it a tool we use? It's absolutely a tool we use. It is um, something that is so important. We figured this out the hard way as our kids were growing up. But I think the more you realize that if kids have a little skin in the game or even half skin in the game, it is so important for their feeling of ownership, for their idea that they have a little control over their it might, it might it might be the very fulcrum of some of the things we try to teach if you if you're going to match it if a child i need money for a new computer I, I need you to buy me this i need you to buy me that and if somehow we can put ourselves in the position with younger children that well you need to save for that or oh, it's too much i could never save this much you're going to end up giving me the money anyway. If we could just get to the point where it's a match, you get your half and I'll match it. And boy, do we ever use that now with grandkids in the sense of most of them, the ones that are old enough and some of the ones who even are doing it through custodial accounts with their parents have a, a Roth IRA that they can put savings into and our deal with them is we will match it dollar for dollar. And the idea of a match implies you have to take the initiative. We will just match. We are there to support you. We're not there to support your savings, your initiative. We're not there to just give money, whether we're parents or grandparents. So we're going to get into that. Let's, let's try another word, Linda credit. Uh, whoa. Kids grow up thinking credit, don't they? Yeah, they do. And, and they think getting the high credit rating is the most important thing they could ever do. And that is important because they're going to need to buy things later on and so on. But the world, well, is credit a villain is, or a hero for children and money? I guess it can go either way, depending on how you look at it. But, I mean, credit is important because you need it at certain points in your life. But I think kids need to understand early about credit and how it can be an advantage as well as a huge disadvantage in their lives. Do you think we're old school? Have we, have we gone way too far in sort of teaching that credit should be used very in a very limited way? Because the Probably. world we live in, you know, people buy everything on credit and think in terms. I mean, a good example is it's hard now to know no one say, say you want to buy an automobile how much is the automobile people don't even think in terms of the total price they think in terms of the monthly payment not even understanding that that that's a debt that's a big debt and part of these things we've tried to teach the grandkids which kind of came along through raising our children is that probably credit ought to be used in a very, very limited way. Probably it ought to be used for a house because you're probably going to need a mortgage unless you win the lottery. And it probably ought to be used in some cases for education because higher education can be very, very costly. And we've tried to say, use credit on things which will appreciate, which will grow in value. 
So your education will grow in value. It'll produce more than what you put into it. It'll pay you back. Yeah. And yet the house you buy is very, very likely to grow in value. However, your car will probably not yeah. grow in value. Although we have a son yeah. who lives here <laughs> who finds that you can grow a lot through uh, uh, automobiles. And there's a certain way to think about it. You can go either direction. But but th- that alone could be a huge uh, principle in, in teaching children. That credit is something to be used on things that will appreciate in value, not on buying a car, not on buying a computer, not on paying things over time, but rather the revolutionary thought of actually saving up until you have enough to buy something. Not buy the, the the simplest principle of all might be what order do these two things come in? Having something and buying something or paying for something. And if we get it in our minds that the the fir, the one that comes first is saving, earning the money, and then buying something, get the money first, then the thing. Instead of the way the whole world thinks about it, oh, get the thing right now and get the best terms you can and pay for it over the next several years or whatever. And the the old principle of saving first and then buying. And we have the chance to teach that to, to kids. And okay, next next thing, Linda, um, family bank. Valuable. I mean, in what is in it and what it creates in a child's mind. We've had a family bank from the word go. Um, well, I think when our kids turned eight, but, you know, we had entrepreneurs that were saying they could be part of the family bank when they were six. I can do that. I can do it. But it has been kind of fun. It's kind of a fun mechanism. Big, big box, big, the bigger, the better, like a big chest with a big lock on it and the kids understand what a bank is by the time they're very small and they understand it pays interest. If they leave the money in it, it'll grow. They understand that's the place to save up until I have enough to buy this thing. And, you know, once kids get it and you'll always get, Oh, but Jimmy doesn't have to have it. You know, his, his parents just buy him things. And so on. Once, once kids get past that and realize, wait, but this is my money. I can earn it. I can put it in the bank. It can grow. I can buy what I what I want for myself. I don't have to run to my parents for everything I want. Such a powerful, powerful concept. And we again, we're not going to have time to cover all of it, like what things should kid have, kids have to buy for themselves. But at least start with the things they're always asking you for that you would rather just say, well, if you have enough money, you can buy it, but don't ask me. You've got to save. You've got the family bank. It pays interest. I know this, this takes a lot of thinking as a partnership or with your single mom or dad, um, with a wise friend or your parents, because it is so important to set this in kids' minds that they do have some control over their lives. If they know how to deal with money, it makes a huge difference, not just as a child, but for their future. Next term for you, Linda, 10, 20, 70. Which was our uh, hard and fast rule for children who earned money, who got any money for any reason. They, uh, We had many failing things about this. They were required to give 10% to save 20%, and then they could use 70% on whatever they wanted. Um, But 
And with that as the basis, our kids have adapted that at their own lives. I mean, we had one child who wanted to give all of his money away. (laughs) And so uh, he adjusted that. The 10% was, or, you know, maybe 40% or 30% they wanted to give away. Um, One wanted to save every penny he ever made. Exactly. And the others others all wanted to spend every every penny they made. (laughs) (laughs) And interestingly, some of them flip-flopped. The ones who wanted to just save every penny are the ones that have now adapted to the fact that if you find something beautiful, that is valuable, that is worthwhile, (laughs) spend the money on it. Um, And the other one who was, you know, just spending money like crazy everywhere she turned uh, is now realizing, oh, this is it's so important to have some leftover (laughs) for what you really need. So uh, everybody, every child internalizes this a different way. But if you want details, we're kind of rambling. Well, we're we're rambling, but but we want to pique your interest. And we're going to give you a couple of resources to look at at the end of the show. But but I do. Let's shift to grandparents for a minute. I mean, hopefully grandparents have found all of this interesting. But uh, if you're a grandparent, Boy, you've got a lot of layers of things to think about now because you're not in charge, you're not the steward, and yet you're often part of the problem because you want to give everything to your grandkids. But what a what a question. How do you support and be part of the teaching of financial responsibility to grandkids as opposed to kids? Yeah, and we... Uh... In China, for example, on New Year's Day is the red envelope. And these grandparents, especially parents and grandparents, just load these kids up with money. There's money in that red envelope. And sometimes the people we were speaking to came up with the great ideas. I mean, they say, we get stuff set with our families. They've got a nice little financial system going and getting our kids to earn the things that they really want. And then our grandparents come along and just dump a load of money on them. And one of the um, men in the audience says, well, our solution to that is just show them how the stock market works. Yeah. We have it <laughs> but, real. Yeah. Your, your grandparents are going to keep giving you money, and we're going to help you put all of it into the stock well, market. Well, not all, but a certain All percentage. of the grandparents give. Right. But anyway, it really is a fun thing to think about. It's something that we just don't think about. A lot of times we just go on what happened to us as a child or how we dealt, have dealt with money. But this is something you really need to think about how it works for you and for your family. I mentioned this, this, the, the Roth IRA, which most of you understand is a retirement savings account that has tax advantages and so on. But it's such a it's such a beautiful thing for grandparents to use because the money that the grandchildren put in it has to be earned money. It can't be money their parents gave them. They have to earn it on some kind of a oh, yeah. job. This is talking about older grandchildren. Yeah. And then you're in a position to match it and say everything you do, I just want to support your savings and your ability that you're trying to earn enough to buy this or to go to this college or whatever and i want to be there to support you so it's a pretty powerful thing so i know it's been like a shotgun today we're talking about a lot of different things loosely related to money and finances within families but i think we ought to end where we started linda what are the things parents and grandparents don't talk enough about what are the things what are the areas of communication that don't happen enough within families 
And I just think financial things ought to be talked about more and more and more because every time you, and and parents and grandparents ought to do some planning and have the principles in mind of what it is they're trying to teach and how they want to teach it. And then once they have that clear in their heads, that ought to come up a lot. This family we're staying with in in Hawaii, our, our, our middle son, as we've talked about, is extremely good at this. And maybe some might say not only extremely good, but extremely extreme in the sense that these kids earn their own money from the time they're very young. You mentioned the egg business and one of the other daughters bought her own horse because she saved when up she was nine years old. And yeah, on and on and on. So you, you know, to us, they serve an example. You can go a long way with this, and it can really be a powerful thing. But we also ought to go back to where we started with the the little principle that money is a tool to be used, not a status to be gained, and try to teach our children that you don't measure people by how much money they have. And you don't measure yourself by how much money you have. Money's a tool, and you hopefully have your goals of what you want to do in your life, and it's up to you to decide how much money you'll need to get to those goals. So it's always a means, never an end. Yes, and we see the difference in our children as they're growing up, uh, as they have grown up, and how they deal with their families. Because uh, our son here is probably an extreme example of something that he has really made work. I mean, their oldest child is uh, excelled in swimming. She was a gold medalist in Hawaii and and is swimming for Columbia. She's a senior now. And so she's had a scholarship all the way through. Their second son we're having lunch with today. He's a sophomore at Harvard. And he has learned amazing lessons, amazing things. So, uh, and that's on a full scholarship. I mean, it really is an amazing thing what you can do if you really focus your mind on what is important to you financially and and pass that on to your children. So thanks for being with us on Ours on the Road. Give it some thought. Probably the book we would suggest among the ones we've written that would be really continue this discussion and sort of prompt you to ask yourself some important questions about finance and, and money and families is The Entitlement Trap. It's easy to find. It's a, a book that a lot of parents have used, and it's easy to remember the name, The Entitlement Trap. <laughs> so hopefully that helps. Uh, we love that you join us, and we hope you'll we'll see you next time on Ours on the Road. Bye till then. Bye-bye.